Welcome to the Sideline to Sideline podcast for episode number two. I'm your co-host, Jason Daly, alongside the best hair in podcasting, Travis Wells. Travis, how you feeling today? Feeling good, feeling good. I got a, I got a big update about my player of the week last week. Okay, let's lead off with that real quick. What do you got? I got you. Um, MVP of the FIBA Asia Cup, Hamid Haddadi. No, he wasn't. I swear to God, he got two. He got two <laughs> Tissot watches. I'm super jealous. So um, I've always wanted one of those watches, but I guess you got to be seven foot three in Iranian, which you know, I'm working on. You also have to average eight assists a game awkwardly. Dude, did you watch the video, man? He's out there passing. He looks like Vlade. It's it's ridiculous. He's getting all those assists because he can just reach over guys and throw a pass to dudes. <laughs> Cutting down the lane, it's so it's so weird. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, all right, well, uh, let's jump in. Uh, just get this week started. We'll jump in uh, to the tip off. All right, Rav, let's get going with the tip off here. Uh, our big headline for the week um, from basketball across NBA and college ball. So what we wanted to discuss in the tip-off this week is the reports that came out uh, this past week about the Cavaliers potentially preparing for a life without LeBron James um, after this this upcoming season. So um, essentially what's going on in Cleveland is that uh, LeBron has a $35.6 million player option next summer. And at this point, he's been pretty noncommittal one way or the other, uh, whether or not he's going to stay, whether he's going to go. Um, and that's that's left Cleveland in a bad spot as far as trying to fulfill Kyrie Irving's trade request, um, essentially because they don't have a clue what to do. Um, they don't know whether to try to trade him for <laughs> – they don't know whether to try to trade him for pieces that can help them win right now to try to keep LeBron, or they don't know if there's literally nothing they can do, and do they need to try to trade for, um, you know, building blocks and and prospects. Um, So they're in a bad spot. You know, it's been rumored um, that they've had um, guys on their list or maybe made offers for for dudes like Kristaps Porzingis, um, Jamal Murray from Denver, Jason Tatum, and Josh Jackson, who are both top five picks from – this uh this current draft um back in june and at this point all the teams that they have been in discussions with haven't made a deal or an offer that cleveland's been willing to make um so that makes you think that they're not willing to meet cleveland's asking price which is you've got to think high for a guy like Kyrie who's 25 and a four-time all-star so um what do you what are your immediate thoughts about this report that Cleveland's preparing behind the scenes for LeBron not to be back after this season. Well, there's a report came out yesterday that said there's a 0% chance LeBron stays after the Kyrie stuff and after them firing uh, David Griffin, who was his boy. So, I I mean, I'd rather be, um, luckily I'm a Kings fan. I can actually say that for once. I'd rather be a Kings fan than a Cavs fan, which sounds crazy, but you know, at least with the Kings, I have um, some sort of optimism. With the Cavs, it's like you got this year, and then you're back to being irrelevant. I mean, um, what do what do you? I guess if you're Cleveland, you have to trade him for for trade Kyrie for somebody that can help you this year, in the hopes that it makes LeBron stay. Then you got to trade him for um, a prospect that can bloom. So you want to get basically. As close to all stars you can get now, and a top prospect. So if you look at it that way, there's not really there's not really a lot of options. You're looking at Phoenix and Boston. I, I don't know what I don't know why Boston would make that trade. Me either. Um, well, I mean, this is why I mess with the chemistry. Um, if you're but if you're Phoenix, so I mean, if you're Phoenix, you pull that trigger, right? I think so, um, but they don't want to get rid of Jackson, and Cleveland's wanting Jackson, but. I think that Cleveland's Taken. going to get in that. Right. I think that – so, reportedly, the Suns offered um, – when they were having trade talks, they obviously kept 
Josh Jackson out, but the, reportedly the Suns offered Eric Bledsoe, Dragon Bender, your boy, and I'm assuming a future first-round pick for Kyrie is what they offered, and Cleveland said no because they wanted yeah. Josh Jackson. So it's either I, either I, they're protected or somebody else is protected. I can't remember, but it would basically it's going to be a lottery pick. Is what it would be. Yeah, I I I take that trade if I'm Cleveland at this point. But it's probably not on the table anymore, I'm guessing. I, here's what I think. I think that Cleveland is going to be in a situation at some point that the Pacers were this past year where maybe we get to the draft even, and they're like, oh, shit, we're going to get nothing for Paul George if we don't do something. So let's trade him for Depot and whatever, what's his face, DeMontis Sabonis. Um, you know, let's get something. Let's get a couple of young guys. It might be something. So, I mean, at this point, it looks like Cleveland's either going to – and let, I mean, obviously, the season hasn't started, so the landscape can change. But at this point, it looks like one or two things are going to happen. Cleveland's going to be in that kind of situation that the Pacers were, or they're going – or they're going to get nothing. So, they're going to have yeah. – they're going to go to 18-19 – and they're going to owe guys like Kevin Love and J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson $56 million. And Channing Frye. And, yeah, and Kyle Korver, you know, and that's going to be the core of their team. And they're going to have – they're going to re-sign Derrick Rose to the veteran minimum again and hope that his knees don't, mm-hmm. you know, collapse. So Implode. Yeah, yeah Cleveland, that's a hot lineup. It is. God. Uh, Cleveland's – Cleveland's on that borderline of they're in the danger zone of going back to being the team that only made one playoff appearance in like 13 years or some shit before LeBron. So, um, I think they're man. already going there. I think it's I think it's done. <laughs> I don't think they can salvage anything. I could see that too. I I wouldn't disagree with that. I think they're in big time danger zone. Um, you know, it's a fun oh, no. theory to think about. Which, What's that? And, and this one, this, this won't happen because the Lakers won't agree to it because they know LeBron's coming. But if you're, if you're, who's their GM for Cleveland? I don't even remember. Um, anyway, if you're Cleveland and you just, you just ship Kyrie to the Lakers just to be a dickhead because LeBron wants to go there. It's like a preemptive strike. Oh God! If I go to LA, I'm still gonna have to play type of thing. Oh yeah, that'd be that would be awesome. I would love that. I hope that happens. I know. Uh, I know uh, one. I know one guy that we know in particular uh, that will probably listen to this. He would. He would love for nothing better than to happen, but to, than to stick it to LeBron <laughs> or so. Uh, shout out, anything shout out, through out. LeBron. Absolutely. Shout out to Leslie D. Um. All right. Any uh any final thoughts? Anything else you want to say about uh, LeBron and the and the Cavs for preparing for life after LeBron possibly next year? Yeah, you're on. You're this is your Titanic year. You're selling straight into the iceberg. Sorry, but you're going down. All right, Rav, let's move to the next segment, which is around the association. Uh, A couple of things that we wanted to to look at this week and discuss a little bit. So the first thing on my list for around the association this week is um, the remaining NBA free agents uh, that are still kind of hanging out there and and kind of where they stand. Um, This isn't a very long list, and we can can touch on some guys quicker than others. So um, basically... The the landscape of kind of the free agent market in the NBA right now is, you know, teams spent all this money last season on guys. Um, it seems like that's been happening for a couple of years now. Guys, have, yeah. like we talked about last week, guys have been getting paid that don't really deserve it. But especially last year, teams spent a ton of money. This year, there, you know, there there was less money in the market to be spent, and on top of that, um, but still, even so, there was and then expectation that the salary cap was going to grow a little bit but then as you know um, that actually didn't happen so there are some guys um, who have had to 
take veteran minimum deals like Derrick Rose and Michael Beasley, who thought maybe they were going to get paid. And there are some guys who have just said, piss on it, and we're going to go overseas, like Ty Lawson, your dude, and and uh, North <laughs> Cole, guys like that. So, um, but with that well, said, Ty Lawson's a defense. Go he ahead. has zero DUIs over there. <laughs> That's so right. He's like he's starting all over. He's got a clean slate. Clean slate. He can probably go play in China or wherever, and you know, <laughs> just destroy Saki and get his first Saki DUI. <laughs> uh, the hell of a night. It is. Uh, so the first guy on the list here uh, that I wanted to bring up with you is Nerlens Noel. So uh, Noel, Noel, Noel. Um, so Nerlens thought going into the summer that he was going to get paid. Um, he was traded to Dallas last year, um, this past season. And then he, he went into the summer thinking that he was one of these guys that, you know, might be talked about for a max contract. Um, but he was obviously coming off, you know, knee injuries. Um, and he's only 23 years old, which is hard to imagine, but, um, but now he's still a free agent. Really, the only offer on the table is his qualifying offer from Dallas, which is $5.8 million. So his agent has said that he felt like Dallas hasn't made an offer yet that is serious. Um, but <laughs> there's, it doesn't seem like there's anybody else calling about Nerland. So, um, you know, kind of a, Kind of a a 180 on for his on his part as far as a guy going from possibly getting a max deal to now he might be stuck with a qualifying offer from Dallas for 5.8 million. So, um, what are your thoughts on Nerlens? I thought he was going to get a huge contract because now he's he's really what you're looking at from a five and an NBA guy is going to uh, you know with the wings or three and D's. What are they calling the 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 block the guys that they had there was a thing I read about the centers it was like a uh block and dunk, a B and D or something like that. Anyway, um but he's like, you know, you're what we're moving towards in the NBA is your sort of prototypical center. So I thought they'd pay him, but what kinda of what I what I kind of I guess missed was that the Mavericks and Mark Cuban, they're really smart. They know what they're doing and he's a businessman. So if I can get this guy who I know I need for five point eight on his qualifying offer sheet, why would I sign for anything else? Make somebody else make me sign him. And if they're not going to, cool. I'll pay you five point eight. You have a whole season with me now instead of a half the year we trade for you. I can really see what I've got in this in this asset. And I'll pay you next year if I need to. So I think it's really smart on their part, on Dallas's part, to do what they're doing and I know that I didn't see it coming, but you would think Noel and his agent would have realized that was coming and maybe tried to pre-negotiate a contract before we get to this point. Um, whatever, but he's going to play somewhere. Obviously, he's good. Um, but what I want you to think about for a second is him and Dallas running the pick and roll with Dennis Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, somebody's in a body bag. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. If he's if Nerlens isn't dunking on a guy, Dennis Smith sure as hell is. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So Man, just fill up the guy. Go to fantastic. Yeah. Please go there. <laughs> we'll just stay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. That's going to be great on 2K. Um, we can't wait. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I think that it makes total sense on Dallas's part. No sense paying the guy unless somebody makes you. So, you know, for on Dallas's end. Great for them. Uh, for Nerlens, it kind of sucks. I got to say, I am surprised that literally nobody else has made an offer to him. Or I guess somebody, I guess somebody may have made an offer, but he has to sign and accept that offer before Dallas has to match. So maybe somebody offered something at some point, and he said no. And so somebody could have offered him $15 million and he said that wasn't enough, thinking – he would get something else, and he hasn't. So now it looks like he's going to be stuck in Dallas for $5.8 million. So sometimes that's the way life goes. I, I would take $5.8 million regardless. Um, I, yeah, I'll I'd trade him. $2.8 Yeah, I'll take the veteran minimum. Um, 
so next guy on the list here is uh, Jamichael Green. Um, wanted to talk about him for a second. So Jamichael is he he was on Memphis last year. Um, he's 27 years old. Uh, he was a guy that was talked about as getting paid um, a lot of money this year over the summer. Um, I know Brooklyn. It, it was talked about for a long time, maybe signing him. They kind of uh, liked his game. They compliment their team, and and he seems, you know, he's obviously grown into a pretty good player. So, but where Jamichael stands now um, at this point in August is um, he's he's got a qualifying offer from Memphis, and that's all he's got at this point, and it's only worth two point eight million, which is barely above the veteran minimum right now. Um, and it seems like it seems like that um <laughs> seems like he even if he stays in Memphis and has to play for two point eight million this year that he's gonna have a pretty pretty favorable setup for a contract year with Zach Randolph gone um so what do you think about Jamichael? Where did he go to college? Did he go to Alabama yeah, he's an Alabama guy oh, good for you um most of these guys. <laughs> he I, think for, Mark, oh. Mark, I think Mark paid him a bunch of money to, to come there and play. Well, that's why he's not worried about making more than two point eight. <laughs> Mark set him up for life. Um, most of these guys they hit their prime. What twenty six to twenty nine years old? Would you say? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I mean you. <laughs> I understand that he shot almost 60% in the playoffs. Uh, or, I get it, but I just feel like if I'm another NBA team, you know, I've invested time and money into these younger guys that are either on my D-League roster, they're overseas, or they're, I drafted them, right? And I would rather – they're on their rookie contracts, they're younger, they have more upside. I, I feel like that's why he doesn't have a, a job right now. I mean, we know what Michael Green is. He's not a bad player, and if, if you're a team like – like if he went to Boston, he would be great there. He'd come off the bench, defend a bunch of dudes, buy into the system. Um, you know, even in a place like Denver, where he could be a you know Paul Millsap's backup. I mean, I think he'd be great there. I just some guys when you increase their minutes, you don't necessarily see the correlation in, in the statistical production. Um, I mean, he played almost 30 minutes last year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I don't see it, and I get why he doesn't have. A huge contract. I just think his, I think his value is limited to the system, and, and to what your assets are as a team. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys who isn't a starter on every team in the NBA. So, you know, a lot of these teams, I don't think they can justify paying a guy like him starter type money. And then, like you said, he's a player or a six man or. You know, in Memphis this year, yeah, he he might be a, he probably is a starter, especially since Zach Randolph is gone. But he's but he's not a starter in every on every team in the league. So I don't. That's probably why he's sitting there without the kind of money that he was hoping to get offered, and now he's in that situation as Nerland is look staring down the barrel of a two point eight million dollar offer sheet. So. Uh, <laughs> So barely he's gonna he's gonna play for barely above the veteran minimum this year. But um, you know, like I said, he's he's not in a bad situation if he gets stuck with that as far as trying to prove himself and maybe trying to get paid next year on you would think something well above two point eight million. So yeah, uh, I think and he can feed his family off of that Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> he better uh, just don't buy any. Uh, you know, apartment uh, complexes. Uh, um, what's his face? Um, who am I thinking of? That blew a hundred million. Uh, Antoine Walker. Um, oh, he bought great a story about Antoine Walker. Do you have one? Yeah, I think I've told you the story. Uh, he got asked why he shot so many threes. <laughs> what did he say? Because there's not any fours. <laughs> uh, well, that's. Uh, I think that says all you need to know about a guy who's who blew all those 100 million made over the course of his career. So, stay high. Exactly. 
the next guy, there's three guys left on this list, and we'll just kind of breeze uh, past them. I was really only interested in the first two guys. So uh, the next guy on the list is Nikola Miritich. Um, he, he of the guys on this list, has the highest qualifying offer from Chicago, which is $7.2 million. So uh, that's about as good as it's going to get for him. Uh, his numbers dropped a lot last year, and now he's presumably – possibly buried behind Lori Markinen, who Chicago just drafted out of Arizona over the summer. So uh, if I'm uh, if I'm Nikola uh, Miritich, uh, I take my $7.2 million qualifying offer and I, I go home happy because uh, I don't think that guy touches that kind of money anywhere else right now, um, just based on his kind of regression last season. Any, any thoughts on Nikola Miritich? Um, love foreign guys, love foreign guys who can face up and get buckets. He is a one-dimensional player who became a more one-dimensional player, which is hard to do. And um, <laughs> I think he's headed straight to the Rudy Fernandez route where he's suddenly going to just go back to Europe and probably do really well over there. I could see that. I definitely could see that. Um, next is Shabazz Muhammad, um, who – played for the Wolves last season. Shabazz is only 24 years old, which is crazy to think, but these guys come out young now and it seems like they're, you know, 35 and they're only 24 and 25. So, um, he, the, the Timberwolves renounced his rights over the summer, making him an unrestricted free agent. Um, they, they were trying to clear some cap space for Taj Gibson. So, um, with Shabazz no longer a restricted free agent, he, allegedly there's still mutual mutual interest between Minnesota and Shabazz, but all that Minnesota can afford to pay Shabazz is the veteran minimum. Um, so this dude thought he was getting paid and now he's staring down the barrel at the veteran minimum too. So, uh, any thoughts on Shabazz? Great name. Um, I think Shabazz, I think he ends up back with Minnesota. I think, um, I think he likes tips and from what I've heard, they want to use him, you know, basically like he's going to run the second team. So, or at least they'll run the second team offense through him. So if he comes back on a one- or two-year veteran minimum, has the offense run through him and he puts up decent numbers, um, somebody will pay him next summer to to be their sixth man or whoever it'll be. He'll get a decent deal. Yeah, he – the guy gets buckets. I mean, he can definitely score, so – um, I think he'd be great off the bench there. And it looks like that of the teams that are interested in him, nobody can pay him more than what Minnesota can anyway. So I think I agree with you in the, in the fact that we'll see him back in Minnesota. Uh, the last guy on the list is Tony Allen, who's a six-time all-defensive team NBA selection. Um, Tony is now 35 years old. Tony has pretty much always been a one-dimensional player, but now at 35, um, he – he is the epitome of a one-dimensional player. Um, and it looks like uh, Memphis has moved on with him, and, and they he's no longer going to be in Memphis. So um, I, I don't really know what the future is for him at 35 years old, but you got to think somebody, maybe a contender, might need a – you know, a defensive presence off the bench or, you know, a matchup type of guy. Um, what do you think about Tony Allen? I wish I could combine him and Nikola Mirotic. Can we make them have like a love child? <laughs> they they have the skills. Each guy has the skills that the other guy needs in the worst way to to stay an NBA player. <laughs> you know what would happen is we would spice them together and we would get like the side of Mirotic that can't play defense and the side of Allen that can't play offense. <laughs> so it would be uh, – like Luke Richard and Bob Mute, although he's pretty good at defense, but uh, yeah. he'd be—they'd be a guy that sees across the board, like Theo Pinson. Yes. Um, no, I think uh, my bold Tony Allen prediction is he—he um, he hangs out at home and keeps his legs fresh, and then uh, contender as a guy, you know, blow out his ACL, and he gets picked up and somewhere after Christmas, and, and plays basically matchups for the rest of the year and into the playoffs. So. I think it'll be the next two or three years that he's going to be the next, you know, the ring chaser that you see bouncing around like David West. 
I could see that. I think that's uh, probably a good call. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense for him right now. He's he's transitioning to that guy. Now let's pick up the phone and call Tony. We need somebody that can defend, you know, Paul George in the first round. So, um, or LeBron or whoever. Uh, I know Kobe. Hate that that was the guy that Kobe uh, when he was in the league. He hated to go up against Tony Allen. So, uh, I think that says a lot yeah. about uh, his defensive game. Um, yeah, for sure. So I wanted to move. Wanted to move to the next topic uh, in around the association this week, and just wanted to to touch on some of the changes to the NBA schedule for uh, seventeen eighteen. Um, and there there are a few, and some of these are really interesting. So um, there's a list here of of the changes, and um, well, not all of them, but some of them, and there's a couple of. Um, just kind of interesting notes here about uh, this year's schedule uh, that I wanted to touch on and get your thoughts. So uh, one of the bigger items uh, that's changed on the schedule is there are now no longer any four-game and five-night sets. Um, So since 2014-15, the NBA has been trying to decrease the four and five uh, sets. And in 14-15, they teams played there were there were 74 games and five night sets and 15 16 it dropped all the way down to 27 and 16 17 there were 24 game and five night sets and then now this year we have zero so they've gone from four years ago 74 game and five night sets to now zero um and you know a lot of that has uh, got to do with uh logistics as far as you know, team travel and things like that. But I, I think, you know, part of it too is, um, you know, resting guys and trying to keep teams from having an incentive to sit guys. So what do you, what do you think about the no more five, four games and five nights? I think it's awesome. And from a fan standpoint, it means I get to watch, you know, the best of the best play more often. It's strange that it's taken them this long to get to this point, but, um, I'm sure there was a lot more behind the scenes that we don't know about. I'm sure they had to to consider TV needs and, and where those games needed to land and, and, like you said, logistically make sure it made sense. So, and I know also on this list they're talking about how they protected the bigger games, um, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll get to in a minute. But, uh, I mean, I know this isn't an easy process, but it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, not that they were necessarily losing fans, but it is frustrating when you you know, when the Warriors come to Memphis and, you know, you maybe you don't always go to the Grizzlies games, but you decide you want to go watch Steph. And turns out he's not playing, so you get to watch Clay Thompson, Sean Livingston. And you know, nothing against Sean Livingston, but, you know, you come to see Steph. And that kind of – that has to hurt the league a little bit. And, I, you know, they made the right choice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the next – you kind of touched on it just there, but – the next two items on this list, I think we can kind of combine, and maybe we could have even combined the first one in, but, uh, you know, it's never too late. So the second thing on this list is that they've they've decreased <laughs> they've decreased the back-to-back uh, sets for teams. So since 14-15, back-to-backs have been reduced by 26%. Uh, in 14-15, there was an average of 19.3 back-to-back games per team. In 15-16, it went down to 17.8. The next year, 16.3. And now this season, the average back-to-back games per team is down to 14.4. So, um, And this kind of rolls in with the first point, but into the next one, that the league is trying to protect or put extra protection around their biggest games. So, um, you know, no team that is going to be playing, for instance, uh, in an ABC game, has a game the day before or the day after an ABC game. Um, And basically what they're trying to do is if guys are healthy, they're going to play. So uh, along also in there, the NBA has, quote-unquote, protected 22 national TV games where neither team playing in one of those games is is playing in a back-to-back or even a fifth game in seven nights. So... Um, I think that's, like you mentioned, I think it's great for the fans. Um, it obviously is good for the players that, uh, there's not as, as much of a demand on them physically. So, um, any, any final thoughts about the NBA trying to, trying to protect their big games? 
Yeah, that's what you need to do. I think every other league does something similar. Um, well, I guess NFL is not really yeah. an issue, but with baseball, there's so many games. Maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe, maybe they don't do that. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Maybe hockey does it, but not that they're really on TV. Yeah. But um, right. yeah, I mean that's the way. <laughs> that's the way that we're moving. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, uh, it's a smart move. They know what they're doing. They're smart. They're probably, and you know, I'd give Silver credit for this. I think he's probably the best. Uh, this commissioner we have in professional sports right now, and he's really showing that. Yeah, he seems like a really smart guy, and this is a move that's probably a little bit long overdue as far as, you know, trying to uh, protect protect games, protect players from a physical standpoint, and, you know, protect the fans from paying these crazy amounts of money for tickets and showing up, and Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony Parker are sitting out, you know, so... Um, yeah. The the next thing on uh, on the list here, this isn't necessarily a a uh, a tweak to the way the NBA schedules, but this is a ranking of of toughness. So um, the Suns this year um, have the toughest strength of schedule, and the Cavaliers have the easiest. Um, this is based off of the 2016-17 season win loss percentage for each team. And something called the Pythagorean expectation. So, um, I haven't used the Pythagorean theorem um, since probably high school. So I don't know what Pythagorean what Pythagorean's expectation is. But um, what are your thoughts on the Suns having the toughest schedule and the Cleveland Cavaliers having the easiest schedule uh, this NBA season? Um, not, I'm not sure. Pythag, whatever the fuck he said. I'm not sure what his expectation is, but um. Rev's expectation is he spells a conspiracy. It sounds a lot like the NBA wants LeBron back in the finals. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, um, uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, the Cavaliers have the easiest schedule. If you look on there, the Warriors are like, I think they're top five in the easiest schedule too. Yeah. They're pretty close. Uh, not. I saw where uh, the the Jazz, the the Jazz Flutes, they're nine, and I did not see Sacramento, but uh, they're five. Um, they're five. Oh well, good. There you go. So, not that it matters because um, they don't. I mean, everybody that's playing is twenty. No, nobody in the starting lineup this year is, is, is legally allowed to drink alcohol. I mean, they're not going to win a lot of games. Right. <laughs> well, uh, at least they won't be drunk. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I will be by the end of the season. <laughs> uh, next interesting note about the schedule for this season is that, understandably and predictably so, there's a lot of Warriors and Cavs on national TV, but also this season the Rockets. Um, so here, uh, based on account of teams with most games on TNT, ABC, ESPN networks and NBA TV. The Warriors are on combined on those networks 43 times. The Cavaliers and the Rockets are each on those networks 40 times apiece. The Thunder are on those networks 36 times. The Lakers 35 and the Celtics 33. So I think that's, you know, that makes sense. I mean, those teams on that list, um, the Thunder maybe it's a little surprising to me because I didn't know Oklahoma City was I guess that's a large market, but I was surprised not to see a team like New York Knicks there at thirty six, you know, somebody like that as opposed to Oklahoma City Thunder, but I guess it literally has to do with, you know, the makeup of the team and the superstars and everything. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think the market is as big of a deal as it used to be. Um not that the markets aren't a big deal, but you can be a you can be a small market team if you got a guy like Westbrook. I mean, you're going to make money. So yeah. I think the draw there is they they have PG obviously, but they you know Westbrook just won the MVP. So um, you know the eyes are going to be there anyway. So why not make it easier for it to see the product? I mean, he's supposed to be the best player in your league or most valuable player in your league. Put him on TV. We'll see what happens. Um, people want to see it. Yeah, I think it, I guess one interesting note is that the Lakers. Probably won't be very good this year, but they're on national TV 35 times. But it's the Lakers, so you know that's that's Thanks always the case. 
Yeah, exactly. LeVar probably added five games to that list just with his mouth. So, um, Spare me. Uh, the, the one of the other, uh, well, two more interesting things that I that I thought uh, the the Bulls, uh, the Bulls yes. went from uh, last, the Bulls went from last season season having twenty five nationally televised games to this season they have a grand total of one nationally televised game. So, <laughs> how far they fall um, with? Literally, you know, almost everybody gone from Rajon Rondo is gone, Jimmy Butler gone. They're talking about buying out Dwayne Wade, um, and with with that, uh, with that one national game this year, they apparently will keep a bizarre twenty game TNT television broadcast winning streak alive for yet another year. So, uh, the Bulls <laughs> have fallen, pretty, which is really odd. The Bulls have uh, fallen pretty hard, Raf. Yeah, you know, I got to talk about Bully Gerard. Uh, Gerard's our IT guy at work. He's from the Shy, loves the Shy, loves, loves the guys, love the Bulls. Uh, when they uh, drafted Laurie Markin, and I thought he was going to die. Uh, I'm sure he'll love this. <laughs> yeah, be sure you drop that stat with him uh, to him about TNT and the 20 game <laughs> win streak. Uh, tell him, tell him, glad they could keep, they could find a way to keep that alive this year. Um, last, last interesting. The last interesting thing I thought that I saw in here, um, just kind of a neat little touch, is that the NBA starting this year is going to number their weeks. So, um, you know, in the past they didn't do that per se. But uh, so, for instance, they're going week one will be week one and uh, the season will end with week 26. So I just think that's kind of a neat touch for uh, fans, really, I guess, you know, as far as you know, player of the week awards. And now they're kind of more aligning themselves with the NFL where, you know, they obviously are on a, a named week system, week one, week two, so on. So I think that's just kind of cool. And it kind of adds a little bit, uh, you know, it kind of adds a little bit to it um, as far as a, a fan perspective, keeping up with, with the league from week to week it make, might make it a little bit easier. Does, does the premier league do that too? I really don't know. Um, it would make sense if they did, but I honestly don't know. I'm just thinking it makes sense. You, you know, you're the I – I the NBA has got to be, what, third biggest league in the world behind NFL and the Premier League. Well, the league is probably bigger than them. Anyway, they're the top five. Let's just call them top five leagues. So all these other leagues are numbering their weeks or they're, you know, setting up their schedule so they protect games. It makes sense that you would do that if you want to be like the big dog, so to speak. You're gonna you're gonna copy them, and um, so I think we're seeing that finally from them. Not that David Stern wouldn't do that, you know. Yeah, and I think I think it I think it kind of might add a little something to the marketing side of things as far as you know now instead of saying oh the you know the Warriors and the Cavaliers are going to play on December 25th or whatever. Now they can say, oh, you know, look forward to week eight when the Warriors and the Cavs, I don't know. It's just a, I think it's a mental thing with people. Like you tell people December 25th, they're like, Jesus Christ, it's two months away. If you say week eight, you know, it's like a mental thing. Like, oh, we're only, you know, six weeks away from Warriors and Cavs. So um, I think it's kind of neat. Just a neat little touch. Um, any any other thoughts before we yeah, two things. Go ahead. Funny that you said, funny that you said Jesus Christ on December twenty fifth. That is um, also his birthday. Um, shout out to Jesus. Of course. Uh, and then the yeah, other thing okay. I've been, <laughs> JC. Um, the other thing I've been thinking about while I've been sitting here is, um, can LeBron end up in New York somehow? I haven't looked at the money. Uh, I think, think Brooklyn would definitely clear some cap space for him if that's who you're talking about. Well, either one, I guess. I, well, I met the Knicks. I was thinking they could somehow okay. get rid of buy out Carmelo. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I have to look so at it. Could... I would need to do some. Yeah, I mean, Phil's gone. You put him with Chris Stapps. I mean, who's the point guard though? The Frank Nicotina guy from France or whatever. I don't even know who they have at point guard now. Yeah, he can't I shoot anyway. It's so perfect. He can play defense. Yeah. 
anyway, maybe that's for another episode. Any any other thoughts before we before we move on to the next segment? Nah. All right, let's move on to our next segment, which is the College Corner. Um, Really only got one topic this week that we wanted to discuss, and uh, that topic is Duke uh, getting a commitment from uh, one of the best recruits in the country, Um, was supposed to be, I guess, a 2018 recruit. Um, His name is Marvin Bagley III, uh, committed to Duke this week. And the interesting wrinkle about this guy, Rav, is that this dude was supposed to be, well, I assume he probably already had started his senior year of high school. Um, And all of a sudden, it seemed, he came out and said, I'm going to forego my senior year of high school and enroll at Duke to play basketball. So uh, we're to a point now where, you know, you can leave college early. Uh, Hell, why can't you just go ahead and leave high school early? So... Um, it's interesting because Duke goes from, you know, two years, you know, five years ago, three, four years ago, being a program who didn't really, uh, embrace the one and done mentality. And now fast forward to 2017 and they're getting guys to skip their senior year of high school to come to Duke and play basketball. And side note to that. I thought Duke was supposed to be a school that was hard to get into. So how can you skip your senior year of high school and get accepted into Duke University? So uh, yeah, I can tell you. Take that, um, take that was, and run. Go ahead. I don't know if you hear me. Um, yeah, you know how hard it was for me to get into the Duke Tip program in middle school. That was middle school. <laughs> And then this guy is quitting right. his senior year of high school, and he's getting in. And his dad said, like, oh, well, I've been playing on it for a while. I've been working on it for a while. What do you mean you've been working on it for a while? Like, do you, do you just know when your kid was, like, 13 that he was going to be some college basketball, uh, you know, hyped-up next big-time guy? What are you talking about? You've been working on it forever. Like, it's just it's incredible that people can barely get into these schools or a school like Duke, and then suddenly – you're the best player in the country, and suddenly you get in. How does that work? I, I don't know if I'm if I'm the guy if I'm the kid who had to get a 34 on my ACT and have a 4.0 and be the valedictorian in my class to get into Duke, and I see this yay who skips his senior year of high school in in the middle of August uh, and goes to Duke. You know, I'm probably pretty pissed. Um, secondly, how, like. If his dad has been working on this, how, how, why, when do you make the decision in August? Like, you know, school ends in May. You're telling me you couldn't have made this decision in May, June, July. You're going to decide the day after Coach K says he had successful uh, hip replacement or knee replacement surgery or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, it just doesn't add up. It seems. Yeah. It seems. Ridiculous. And was was Duke holding the roster spot open for him? Like, right. Like, what's the scholarship situation? So if they knew that, then they must have known since May. So what were they waiting for? Waiting for all the paperwork to clear? Maybe. I, maybe they were wanting to make sure that they could legally do that. I, I don't know. It's just – it all seems really, really odd. And it seems very not Duke-like not Coach K-like, which, yeah. like I mentioned, the past few years he's starting to embrace the one-and-done. Um, he's had several one-and-dones. I mean, it's Kentucky or Duke. If, you, if you're if you a one-and-done type of talent, it's Kentucky or Duke pretty much, you know, at the top. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there I'm, was I'm about to – Go ahead. Okay, I'm about to, well, I'm I'm about to wrap up this. Go ahead. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> okay. Hold up, hold up on your rabbit port. Um, <laughs> so there was even a point in 2014 where Capel came out, Jeff Capel, Coach K's assistant, and what I, th- I think is his top recruiter and maybe the dude who's in line to take the job whenever K retires. But 
Capel came out and said, you know, we're not going to be the school. We're not going to dive into this taking a bunch of these one-and-done kids every year. And then, you know, look at them now. Shit, they're taking guys out of their senior year of high school and getting them. So, I don't know. It's just quite a shift in philosophy, which maybe part of it is, Maybe part of it is just that Jeff Capel is a hell of a recruiter, which by all accounts he is. Or maybe it's uh, got to do with the fact that Coach K is 70. Maybe he's just wanting to make a push to get another ring. You know, I, I, I don't really know. I don't really – it just seems odd. So, But go ahead with your rap report. Yeah, I'm about to go rap report. So, sorry, Mom, if you're listening. You're about to hear some, about to hear some F-bombs. Um I don't even know where to start. Okay, so first of all, what I don't—I'm not mad that he went to Duke. Like, like you said, if you're one and done, you're going to Kentucky, you're going to Duke, and you're going to Kansas. I, I think that's where you go. Why, why else would you go anywhere else? You're going to get—you're going to get a—you're going to get the best coaching. You're going to get the best correlation to what NBA lifestyle is like at those schools. It's just the way it is. Um, no offense to Roy Williams, yeah. but he can't do this at UNC because he can't recruit that way and he can't coach that way. Um, UNC has to have you buy into the system. Um, Bill Self, Coach K, and Coach Cal, they do a good job of, of adopting or adapting their their tactics to their skill set, um, for better or worse. Now, there are times where all of those set coaches will, um, you know, be a little headstrong and lock into something, which is probably why Kansas can't do much in the tournament, but that's a, another topic. But... Mm-hmm. My issue is um, you have these Duke fuckboys that talk about how high and mighty they are and how great they are and how they're above Kentucky and how sleazy Cal is, and they turn around and do the same shit two years later. It's like, what's the fucking difference? Like, there's not a difference. It's the same thing. Like, you're, you're in it or you're not, and it doesn't really matter. These kids are just using It's just a vehicle to get to the pros. So you can't really be mad. I'm not mad at the kid. I mean, and I'm not really mad at the system. I'm mad at the people that are, like, too retarded to see both sides of the fence. So you can't be mad at Cal for doing this. You can't be mad at Bill Self for doing this when you do the same thing. Like, you tell me these people that – remember the people when, when Cal first came to Kentucky and he got Cousins and Wall? All these people at Duke were like, you can't mm-hmm. win that way, yada, 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 yada. Um, it's trashy. He must be paying them. Um, they don't go to school. They don't care about the school. They don't care about anything else. And now it's happening to Duke. You don't hear him saying anything. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, while do you have any more? Do you need? Do you have anything else you need to get off your chest? Well, well, I mean, look at like John Wall. John Wall, no offense to John Wall, love you, dude. He's not the smartest guy in the world. He's like a three seven. He ran the night at a four zero. You have these people that have no incentive at all to even try a class, and they're busting their fucking ass. So why are they doing that? Doing well, they're doing it for themselves, and they're doing it because they don't want to get. They know if they screw up that they're going to get Cal, they're going to get the university, they're going to get their teammates who are staying in trouble, right? Like yeah, Alex they're going to get a bad supposed rep. to be a one-and-done. Yeah, it's supposed to be a one-and-done. He stays four years, graduates in three. Those are just some examples I know right. of. Like, I'm sure there's guys that do have been the same shit. But, like, the thing is, you can't, you can't sit here and bitch about Cal getting Jamal Murray to reclassify when you're doing the same thing. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, Nobody has. That's. I don't know. It makes you want to burn. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, while we're while we're grinding this axe, let's get this bitch razor sharp. I mean, it. It's. <laughs> it's the part that is frustrating is that, along those lines, is that if Cal does this, dude is getting crucified. Cats are getting crucified. People are talking about how. Cal's this dirty guy. He's going into this high school and getting this kid to skip his senior year of high school to come play at Kentucky. Yeah, he's not in his best interest. Yeah, because Cal needs help and yada, yada, yada. Coach K does it at Duke. Guy gets a freaking novella here about how, oh, maybe it's just a shift in him adapting to the times. And, you know, he's he's 70 years old. He's trying to set his guy up for his successor and so on and so forth. Like, come on, man. Like, that shit might be true, but the fact is that you can't have it one way with one dude and another way with another. Like, you can say what you want. Yeah, Cal is, you know, when he was younger, he was, you know, trying to start shit with John, or 
John Cheney. Yeah, John Cheney. I almost said Dick Cheney. Love you, Dick. But John Cheney. <laughs> and <laughs> with John Cheney, he was, you know, people thought that he was a, you know, silver tongue salesman and so on. And he's got that reputation. I get that. But he's never been found guilty of anything. And he's not doing anything that Coach K, that Bill Self's not doing. You know, shit, even Sean Miller to some extent. So, yeah, it's in fairness, it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the type of, you know, the type of, um, you know, maybe that's the type of leeway you get when you're a guy like Coach K who's been at one school for so long and he's built up his reputation and this and that. But um, it is interesting timing of the whole thing. The whole situation is very interesting. And if it was probably – anybody other than coach k it would be interesting to see the reaction and the feedback to that situation at a different school that didn't have coach k as a head coach yeah and that's all i'm sure it's, it's all documented and other people uh committing to kentucky or kansas I, I would like to point out that at some point in the future um, maybe when we're a little bit slower time, I'm going to break down every time Coach K has had surgery and what his team looked like because I am 100% convinced he only has surgery when he doesn't like his team and how convenient that he's magically healthy when Margaret, Marvin Bagley commits. I would love to see that. we got to get that in at some point. That would be it. That would be fascinating. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Also, if you look at his roster, he has like – I mean, the, the projected starting lineup is insane, which me and you have talked about offline, but it's like the number one point guard, shooting guard, last year's preseason player of the year, Bagley, like the number one center. Like there's no reason that they shouldn't. Yep. Uh, there's no reason they shouldn't be in the Final Four, but it's Duke, so I'm sure they'll find a way to lose to like Lipscomb. But um, he's in a position where he's got like three really good big men and you don't play basketball like that anymore. So I would love, I'd love to see how this is going to work. I'm going to tell you who's coming for him. Rick Stansberry and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers coming for Duke. They're going to be the first 16 seed to knock off a one seed because they're going to go 17 and 15 and win four games in four days to win the USA. <laughs> and they're going to play a play uh, game and then they're going to knock the Duke Blue Devils and end Coach K's career and Rick's going to leave and take Mike Krzyzewski's job at Duke and Anyway, I'm I'm off tangent. So, uh, any final you're on, thoughts? You're on a message board. <laughs> I'm on Hilltopper Haven right now. Pulse of the Hilltopper. <laughs> um, um, any final thoughts about uh, Marvin Marvin Bagley or uh, Duke before we move on to the next segment? Yeah, how good is Marvin Bagley one and two? Do you think we can get them to come play for the Cats or play play Kansas? <laughs> That's a that's a good question. Uh, never never heard of a of a Marvin Bagley one and two. Well, you know what is a Marvin Bagley one and two? So <laughs> all right, Rav. Let's move on to our final segment this week. Uh, this is going to be still player of the week segment for now until. Uh, you know, until the season fires up in both college and NBA. So uh, we're going to take an examination of a player of the week again this week. And um, I, this week, uh, I'll lead off again, but this week I'm going with a guy that I hate as opposed to a guy that I love since last week. I went with Rudy Fernandez, a guy that I love. So the guy that I chose this week is a uh, player of the week for me, a guy that I just cannot stand is uh, Joakim Noah. So, <laughs> Joakim, my my distaste for Joakim started early um, with him in his college career at Florida. Um, you know, Joakim, he, he won back-to-back NCAA titles at Florida. Um, that, was, that was a great team. There's no doubt about that. But Joakim just, he's that guy that you just can't stand because he's one of these fake tough guys he's a, he's a dude that wants to act like he's gonna you know he's gonna lay you out but he's got a ponytail and um, he's always talking and carrying on and doing the gator chomp at florida to the crowd and 
you know, and then he gets to the league and he he kind of keeps that fake tough guy persona, keeps the ponytail, and I just I just don't like the way he carries himself. And it's amazing to me that he's been able to have a career this long in the NBA. Um, but uh, so Joe Kim, like I said, back-to-back national titles in college, um, got drafted by the Bulls out of Florida. Uh, was with the Bulls from 2007 to 2016. Um, he in 2009-10 he averaged 10 10 points, 11 rebounds. Um, only played 64 games because of an injury in October. What happened 10, to him? Uh, probably blew his knee out, shoulder. I don't know. Um, Who did, cares? did he get kicked in the vagina? <laughs> probably. He probably. He probably had to go uh, get his hair done. So, 2000, 2000, October 2010, the Bulls pay this guy. Five-year, $60 million contract extension. And then um, <laughs> two months later, dude has to miss eight to ten weeks to have surgery on a damaged ligament in his hand. Um, so, he's been, <laughs> he's, been injured. he's been injured throughout his career. Um, he was a reserve in the 2013 NBA All-Star Game, which makes me sick in my stomach. How and, does that happen? <clears throat> I don't know. And then from December 28, December 28, 2013 to February 1st, 2014, he had, he had an 18-game streak of 10 or more rebounds, averaging almost 14 during that stretch. Um, he uh, During that season, after a game on, on February 4th of 14 against your boys, the, the Kings, um, he was ejected from the game after complaining of a controversial foul call against him. He erupted and verbally abused the referees and got fined 15 grand from the NBA. Um, <laughs> yes, he was named he was re- named a reserve again in the 2014 NBA All Star Game, and he's he's had some triple doubles in his career here and so on. Um, he in in uh, so in 16 2016 he signed a stupid contract with the New York Knicks. I mean, Phil Jackson, this is this was the start of a string of many many stupid and questionable decisions. They paid him <laughs> 72 million dollars over 4 years with the Knicks. Smart. And he made his debut. This is the be- this this is great. I love this about him. It couldn't couldn't have happened to a better guy. So made his debut for the Knicks on October 25th of 2016 against the Cavs. He failed to score a single point in 19 minutes as a starter. He did have six rebounds, three assists, and a steal in uh, what would be a 117-88 to loss. Um, February of this year, 2017, he underwent left uh, knee arthroscopic surgery. Um, he's been out. He was ruled out three to four weeks. And then a month later, in, on March 25th of 2017, he was suspended 20 games without pay for violating the league's anti-drug policy. So, um, Shock. And then fast forward about two weeks later, April 12th, 2017, Noah w- uh, re- was deemed Noah would require surgery for a torn left rotator cuff and will need four to six months to re- rehabilitate his shoulder. So um, I just I-, I just can't stand the guy. Um he was, you know, when he in two thousand eight, in two thousand eight, he was arrested for having open container of alcohol and having being in possession of marijuana, which, you know, probably eighty percent of the guys in the league have done that. But it's not necessarily him as a as a player, um, what his skills are, but it's him as his persona and his on court antics and. His just what he portrays, and I think he's just soft, and he wants to act like he's this tough guy, and he can't even stay healthy. And I just—it's amazing to me how long he's been able to stick around in the league. Um, when for a guy who literally has almost zero offensive skills in my mind, and um, you know he's hanging in like a like a hair in the hair in a biscuit, as they say, Rap. So uh, that's my pick this mm-hmm. week: uh, Joe Kim, Noah. Um, Sick of him. Sick of him. Can't wait to see him go. Man, great investment by Phil My Jackson. 
Man, stupid. Totally. I'm going to go Augie Garrido for a second. Totally fucking stupid. <laughs> mm. All right. That's awesome. So are you ready for my obscure player of the week? All right. So I stayed into the I love it lane because um, I was watching some Asia FIBA basketball. I was watching this guy play and didn't know who he was. Um Watched him do his thing. Thought he had really good handles, really good footwork. Um, so I looked him up just out of curiosity to see if he somebody owned his rights. And uh, it turns out nobody owns his rights, but he is the first Chinese basketball player to sign with Jordan Brand. So he is a Jordan Brand Chinese basketball player. He is a guard, <laughs> and I am about to butcher a lot of Chinese words. <laughs> so. Okay. His name is Alien Guo or Guo Alien. I don't know which way it works in Asia and America. So it's a G-U-O-A-I-L-U-N if you're interested in looking him up at home. So he plays point guard for the national Chinese team. Um, he's about six foot four. Um, went undrafted in 2015. So he's played a little bit over here. He played in... Um, the LeBron James Skills Academy in 2009 when he was, um, like, 15. Um, and he plays – right now he plays for um, the Leo Leoning Flying Leopards. And, by the way, China has the best nicknames um, for basketball teams. So <laughs> It's straight out of Crouch um, Tiger Hidden Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons I like this kid. First of all, um, overseas, he averaged – well, sorry, at the FIBA Cup this year, he averaged like 17-3-3, which isn't really that impressive. But he shot almost 60% from two-point range, which is pretty crazy for a point guard, and shoots over 80% from the line, and he shoots about 35% from three, which is pretty average, but that'll get it done if you're in the league. So um, he's going to be here at some point. He's coming over at some point. I don't know when. But he's going to be here. Um, there's never been a Chinese guard that played in the NBA, um, at least with his potential. Um, he's only 23. And like I said, um, I was reading an article yesterday. It said he has the best handles in Asia. Um, but um, in 2014 and 15, he, um, he, he shared a backcourt with Lester Hudson. Do you remember him? Yes, Lester Hudson. I feel like I know he was from, like, Tennessee State or something like that, and he played. I want to feel like I feel like he played for the Warriors for like half a season. It might not have been a might not yeah. have been the Warriors, but I know he played for them. Played for the Grizzlies for a little bit. You think he like he he never played a full season with one team, but um, anyway, they came in second that year, and he uh, he he came in second in MVP voting to Yi Jilin. So, um, and he's been a he's been a Chinese All Star a bunch of times, but. Anyway, part of the reasons I like him are, yeah, he's been, um, he, um, he's been working out in America with, um, in his in the off season with, a, with an NBA guy. He's been working on NBA moves. He's been working on pick and roll, expanding his range, and he's been working on his pace to play and his change of pace. So in the last, I guess, five years, his still goal percentages went from 35 um, up to 50% last year. And his field goal, his free throw percentage has went up too. So um, his points per game have kind of fluctuated based on who he was playing with um, and injuries. But um, but he's got he's got the skill set that will work um, in the league. And like I said, I'm not sure when he's coming. But um, earlier this year, he was involved in a brawl after a game. Um, so they were playing Sichuan. One more of the words I can say from China. Um, so the Strishlon Blue Wells, um, make great chicken. Yes. Um, so they shared a hotel together and there was a, there's an argument between their fans and, um, the Liaoling Tiger fans or whatever they're called, the Leopards. Um, so somebody made some sort of comment about, uh, Guyo's dad and, you know, so he's like, fuck that. So he just drops the dude. And uh, they had to pull him out. He, um, they pull him out, take him to the hospital to get medical treatment. Um, he he, um, he comes back negative. He takes a morning flight um, to the game, which is game four, 
and they thought he was going to be, be suspended, but the team in the league didn't suspend him for anything, I guess because he was defending his dad, so they were like, whatever. So that night, the next night, he drops 18-6, and six, um, but his team lost. And then the next night, he has 17, seven rebounds, five steals, and they um, lost again. But basically, he's the best player on the court, except for Eugene Lind. Um, love this guy. I'll, I'll tweet some... I'll tweet some um, tweet some videos of him, but he's got an NBA move where he beats you off the dribble and he's doing hook shots. He's your step it. Um, his form is his form is about as good as you're going to get, and he looks less less rigid than a lot of the Chinese players you see come out of that um, out of the Chinese academy. I like the idea of him. He sounds like my kind of guy. What was his name? Alien Giuliani. Yeah, basically. Um, Ao <laughs> a- Alien duo, alien duo. Like I said, I can't pronounce this stuff. Just name your kid something like Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Wangzhou. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I'll definitely tweet. If, you, you take care of tweeting about your boy there, and I'm, I'll be sure to get a uh, get on the Twitter and get some get something out there about Joe Kim Noah's antics. Um, this God. Um, so anyway, any. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on our Player of the Week segment? Anything else you got? No, um, it did start thunderstorming here in the middle of the phone call, so I've, that part might have skipped out a little bit. So, you know, sorry. I think we're good. I don't think we had any issues. Um, well, that uh, that wraps up Episode 2, uh, Week 2, for a Sideline to Sideline podcast. And we'll be back next week around the same time with Episode 3. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. hope you come back and listen again. And, Rav, before we go, why don't you hit them with the social media stuff, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, you can follow us on at Side to Side Pod. Um, you can see us tweet about our, our players of the week, cool stories we found. Um, once the season starts, I'm sure you'll get some commentary about some games and trades and signings that we think is interesting. Um, hopefully we'll have a logo for the next show. Um, Maybe. Who knows? Who knows what will happen with that? I mean, I don't know if there's time. Um, uh, we're still waiting on the person to get us the logo. But, yeah, follow us on that side to side pod. And, uh, as always, you can find our uh, our podcast feed on your favorite podcast purveyor, if that's iTunes or Android or on Anchor, which is our our source. Sounds good. Yeah, be sure you uh, you join us back for the roller coaster that is the sideline to sideline podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next week. Uh.